This morning we'll be in the letter of 1 Corinthians chapters 1 and 2. We'll be doing two chapters every single week, so you always know what's coming. If you want to read ahead, you want a little extra credit, we got any of those folks, you can read ahead and uh, know what's coming next week. When was the last time that you wrote a letter? It's interesting, right? Gene, you know anything about letters? No, no nothing about letters. <laughs> letters are an interesting thing. We live in a world where how many emails do you get a day? You know, you don't even want to know how many uh, emails you get per day. But how many times do you sit down and write a letter? How many times do you still receive a letter? Do you still get nostalgic about this? I do. Anybody in the room? Like, you get a letter in, in, you go over to the post office, and formerly you saw Jean, now she's like doing other things with her life, but you, you saw her, you turned off your cell phone, and then you went and saw her, <laughs> and you said, so that's a local joke, I'm sorry if you're visiting. Jean used to run our post office and, uh, for a long, long time. So, um, and you go visit Jean, and you'd get um, something in the mail, or you'd go grab um, some, whatever was in your P.O. Box, or maybe you live down like us in Ramshorn and you go down uh, to the mailboxes on the corner and you grab that. And every once in a while, you get a letter, right? In an actual, like actually in an envelope with writing on the front of it. And you think, it's not a bill. That's what I first think. I'm like, it's not a bill, right? And secondly, you think, well, what, who, who's, Who's this from? And in the corner, there's always this little sort of tagline. It says the address of where this person is from that is writing you. And based upon whoever you see their name, maybe you're really excited or maybe you're really not. But there's something about a letter. A couple years ago, uh, I was preparing for a sermon series on the book of Psalms. And we were going to spend the whole summer in the book of Psalms. Anybody remember that series? I had a great time uh, in that series. And I decided, hey, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to try to get a hold of somebody that I really respect, Eugene Peterson. He wrote the message version uh, of the Bible, kind of a translation. Um, he's written several books, been very influential in my life. He used to live up at Flathead Lake, so not too, too far away from here. And so I thought, you know what? Eugene's in his like 80s. Um, I bet he'd like a letter 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 so instead of writing an email i sat down and i wrote this big long letter i said dear pastor pete because that's what some of the kids used to call him when he was younger in his books and and so i wrote dear pastor pete and then i asked him some questions uh, about the book of psalms about one of the books that he had written specifically on the book of psalms and i sent it off and i thought i'm never you know this guy he knows a ton of people i'm never going to get a reply well the next wednesday i get an email in my box Dear Pastor Brian, and it's from Eugene Peterson, and he gives me some instructions on um, how I should be thinking about the Psalms and how I should be um, thinking about how to reflect upon them and how I should teach them. Uh, and he was super encouraging to me. Um, I don't remember too many letters I've written, but um, what we're going to be talking about in this series is letters. Letters. And, and when you read the Bible, sometimes... Um, we, we just open this up and we say, hey, I'm going to read through the Bible in a year. We've got a group that's doing that right now, reading through the Bible in a year. 
And sometimes when we do that, we just say, okay, we're just going to start in Genesis, work to Revelation, and we're just going to read it all the same way. But that's a mistaken way of reading it. It really is. You've got to understand this book. It's very, it's very complex. It's simple in some ways, but it's very complex in other ways. Right? 66 books um, written over a period of 1,500 or so years um, with various different aspects, different types of a writing in it. Some of the writing in here is wisdom. Some of the writing in here is history. Some of the writing in here uh, is letters. In fact, a, a bunch of the New Testament are letters that are written to churches just like us. And so uh, as I was preparing for this year, I thought, man, I want to spend some time preparing for the resurrection of Jesus for Easter Sunday in looking at a book that's written to a church that might have some things to say to us, even though it was written 2,000 years ago, to a church 2,000 years ago, maybe it has some things to say to us today. So turn to 1 Corinthians and understand first and foremost, this is a letter. And because of that, this is going to feel a little different. Usually I have what I call big idea sermons. So I have one big idea and then I try to make sure that you know one thing that week, right? And you walk out with that one thing that you can think about all week. This series is going to be a little bit different. For those of you who are Bible nerds, you're going to love this series, right? So what we're going to do is we're going to do a little more in-depth study. We're going to go through this and we're going to read it just like a letter. In fact, one of the things that would be really beneficial for you to do, and I've done this in preparation for this series, is to read 1 Corinthians from beginning to end in one sitting. It's a letter written to a church. And most likely what happened was they would get around in gatherings like this and they would read the letter. Probably wasn't out of a book. It's probably a scroll that somebody had delivered. And they would pass those letters around because in Corinth, it wasn't just a whole bunch of little churches. It was the church of Corinth, the town of Corinth. So in preparation, it might be good for you to read through the whole series together, through the whole letter together in a series we're calling Dear Church. So Dear Church, let's begin. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Dear church, hello from Paul. Hello from Paul, a fellow passionate follower of Jesus. This is how the letter begins. There's an introduction here. Saying, hey, this letter, this letter is from a guy named Paul. Anybody know about Paul? You heard about this guy named Paul? Okay. So Paul is an interesting guy. Paul is a, a, a Pharisee back in the day. He is a religious leader. And when this whole Jesus guy shows up on the scene and his followers begin to follow him, Paul has an adverse reaction to these folks. In fact, he is so opposed to Christians and to those who follow Jesus that he makes it his personal mission statement early in the book of Acts to destroy the church. In fact, at one point, Paul is standing there. Well, there's this guy named Stephen. Stephen is working uh, with the elders and he's a deacon and he's working for the church and he's going around and he's spreading the gospel. 
And if you know this story, some religious leaders got together and they stoned him to death. And while they're stoning him to death, guess who's holding the coats of the guys who are sweating because it's a lot of work apparently throwing stones at somebody to death, right? It's Paul. Paul is standing there saying, yep, this is good. Yep, let's kill this guy. Yep, let me, in fact, let me hold your coats while you do it. Paul's adamantly opposed to the church. He wanted to destroy what we're about even right now. He said this whole Jesus thing, it's, it's no good. i got to destroy this. i got to get rid of it. And so that's what he did. He went from town to town to town trying to rid the followers of the way until he met Jesus. Until he met Jesus. So Paul's on this road to a, a town called Damascus. And suddenly a bright light blinds him and he hears a voice. And that voice is Jesus himself. And when you have an encounter with Jesus, it changes everything for you. Right? Right? The defining characteristic of a Christian is that they've met Jesus. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? The defining characteristic of a Christian is not that they come to church. What? (laughs) The defining characteristic of a Christian is that they have met and they know Jesus. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, wait a minute, that is not what I've heard growing up. I heard it was about following rules and not using certain words and not drinking certain things and going to church maybe twice on Sunday and on Wednesday night, right? If you grew up thinking that, those are not bad things, but they're not the thing, right? The defining characteristic of a Christian is that they have met Jesus and everything is different because of that. Right? And so Paul is one of those guys. He's a passionate follower of Jesus. He went from trying to destroy the church. He meets Jesus. Jesus sends him on a mission to the Gentiles, the people he would probably like the least. Right? And he says, hey, go and share the good news of the crucifixion of me and me rising from the grave three days later so that sin and death are conquered. This is the good news. And so Paul goes from a mission of destroying the church to a mission of empowering the church, equipping the church, planting churches, mentoring young pastors. Paul goes 360 degrees in the opposite direction. He just goes... To the other way, right? He goes from here to here. 180, sorry. I'm a preacher, Matt. not my thing. Okay. So, hello from Paul, a passionate follower of Jesus. We go on. To the church of God in Corinth. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus... And called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear church, hello from Paul, a fellow passionate follower of Jesus, to the church in Corinth, and to all who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. First and foremost, this letter, 
have to understand it correctly, is written to the town of Corinth, to the church in Corinth. Corinth is an actual place. It's a neighboring town of Athens. If you've ever been to Greece, right? It's near the port of Athens. It's a cultured town. It's a melting pot of sorts in that day and age because it's so close to Athens, right? It's a melting pot for religious diversity, for philosophical enlightenment, Right? Athens is this place where people sit around and talk about philosophical ideas all the time. In fact, um, so much so that Paul at one time uh, goes and sits on this place uh, called Mars Hill and he sits around with a bunch of philosophers and he tries to explain to them the resurrection of Jesus to which they were like, what? Right? That's, that, was their, that was their reaction to it. Right? Athens, the town where you can go and you can see the Parthenon, which is a massive, massive temple built uh, to the uh, goddess Athena. Athens, where you can go around from that temple, around the corner, and you can go to the remains of the temple for the god Zeus. This is that day and age. Just coming out of Roman rule, um, there's a wide diversity of um, wealth and poverty. Lots and lots more poverty than there is actual wealth. But this book is written to those people in Corinth. Really interesting for us to think about, right? Because it's different than us. This morning we had three different church services meet in this building, right? We had, uh, we had St. Joe's Catholic Mass at 8 a.m. Uh, we had All Saints uh, Episcopal Lutheran Hybrid Service at 9.30. And then we had us, which I jokingly say that we just get a little less holy as the day goes on. Like we just start super holy and then you get me. So it's just kind of how it works, right? But, um, but if we would have a letter, it would say to Big Sky Christian Fellowship, right? I get these letters from folks who say, hey, I got a letter. I got some information I want to share with you. To Big Sky Christian Fellowship. Or All Saints would get a letter. Pastor Miriam would get a letter that would say, to All Saints. Well, this is not the case here, right? And it's important for us to see this. Right? Paul's letting, writing a letter to the church in Corinth. So you've got to think about, you've got to think about Paul who is trying to get the word out to these believers who see themselves more as a people than a place. Okay? More as a people than a 9.30 or 11 o'clock service. More as a people than, uh, this is my pastor, this is your pastor, this is their pastor. More like one church that's come, kind of coming, rooted out of the ground, right? They're, they're under great attack by the Romans, great attack by the culture around them. They're not sitting in comfortable places, even though you feel like these pews might be a little uncomfortable. Nothing like this, right? I mean, this is just the birth of the church in the city of Corinth. So you've got to imagine that, that this letter probably traveled around from house to house to house, from leader to leader to leader, from place to place to place, so that all these churches who saw themselves as part of one big C church, one big C church, not little C, big C, they saw themselves as the church of Corinth. So it's to the church in Corinth, and then this is cool, and to all who call on the name of the Lord Jesus. Listen, so he says, um, to the church, to the church of, of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. This is so cool. 
See, I don't think Paul sat down, wrote this letter and thought, I'm writing this so that Brian could preach it at Big Sky Christian Fellowship in the year 2019. I don't think he thought that. But do you know what I do think? I think that God knew that. Right? God knew that this morning we'd be opening this together and he knew that we would read these words that say, this is to all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was written to people in a specific time, in a specific place, right? In Corinth, in the first century AD, 50-ish AD, not long after uh, the resurrection of Jesus. But he also knew... That this letter was going to be read this morning here in this place. We have this interesting conversation earlier this week because God isn't bound by time. He's timeless, right? He's, he's, he's infinite in time and he's infinite in knowledge. So he knows all things. And this is why sometimes when you read the Bible, <laughs> this is why sometimes when you read the Bible, you're like, I feel like that was for me. You ever have that? Where you read this verse and you're like, well, that was written to people 2,000 years ago. But like somehow that really applies to like what I'm going through right now. We just got done with a series on Joseph. And that story wasn't about you, but a lot of you found yourself in that story, right? A lot of, a lot of you found yourself in a place where you were shackled. A lot of you found your place, yourself in a place where you were forgotten. A lot of, a lot of you found yourself in a place where you were betrayed. And, and some of you found yourself in a season of redemption, right? See, the Bible is this beautiful book. It's alive and active, it says about itself. It's alive and active, right? It's, it's sharper, it says, than a, than a two-edged sword, right? Don't think big sword, think scalpel. Think heart surgery. Think precision. That it, knew, it knows what the Corinthians needs, and it knows, what, it knows what we need right now, today as well. So... Hello from Paul, a fellow passionate follower of Jesus, to the church in Corinth and to all who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4, I always thank my God for, for you because of his grace given to you in Christ Jesus, for in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you don't lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blessed, blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. He continues, I want to begin my letter with a word of thanksgiving. He says, I want to begin my letter with a word of thanksgiving. It's a very good place to start in terms of a letter. He says to them, he's thankful that they are healthy and mature, that they've accepted his message of Jesus Christ. And because of that, they don't lack anything, he says. They're filled with gifts. They have tons and tons of gifts, as we'll see later in the, in, in the book or in the, in the uh, letter. Um, sometimes they don't know exactly what to do with those gifts, but they have all the gifts they need, right? So they're mature, they're full, they're this healthy congregation. He's saying, I mean, I really like you guys, right? I really love you guys. 
I'm really grateful for your acceptance of my message. See, some people rejected his message, but these folks know they accepted his message. And so they're growing. And man, I'm so thankful for this church. Anybody else thankful for Big Sky Christian Fellowship? Come on. It's just a sweet place. I want to give you a couple things that I'm thankful for this morning. And in your head, write your own list, okay? I'm thankful that we're a praying church. We're a praying church. We, we do, for those of your visitors, you're like, do you guys take prayer requests every week? We do. Yeah. We take prayer requests every week. We pray for each other every single Monday. We get an email from Michelle Donaldson, who's the head of our prayer team. If you want to know more about being on the prayer team, go talk to Michelle Donaldson there in the back afterwards. Um, but she sends out an email. And as a staff, we sit and we pray over all the needs that were heard every week. And we are a praying Praying, praying church. Don Diane Lunston, and they are prayer warriors. Rick and Michelle Donaldson, they are prayer warriors. So many of you here, you, you encourage me so much as your pastor because you say, I'm praying for you. We're praying for you. We are a praying church, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we're a generous church. We're a generous church. We, we've been talking about this a couple weeks ago. I said to you, hey, we're this tiny little church in Big Sky. We're going to give $100,000 away. How fun is that? Right? It's so fun because you've been so generous. So we're just seeking out like, hey, God, what do you want us to give? $100, we have $100,000 that we just we don't need. Right? So we're like, hey, God, how can we bless others? So we, we've... Um, We've given some to Morningstar Learning Center so that they can help scholarship young families with young kids who can't uh, afford childcare, which we think is really, really important for families here. Um, we have committed to giving money to the food bank. A big old chunk of finances to the food bank because we really believe in the vision of the food bank to help those who need food in this community. We've committed to doubling uh, what we've been giving to Uganda this year. And we want to continue to love the 170 plus um, kids that are in that orphanage and in that school. And they also have started a clinic, a medical clinic, where they're hoping to help like a thousand kids every month. And so we've committed to helping out with that as well. Some of you sent me some emails, so thank you for those. Um, for Child Bridge and Rock Wheels and a bunch of other ministries that we're just, we're having conversations with now. And we're saying, hey God, where are you leading us in? Because we just want to, we want to bless. We want to bless because you've blessed. We want to be generous because you're generous. We want to give because it's not ours anyway. And I'm thankful that we're a generous church. I'm thankful, um, I'm, I could keep going, I gotta stop because we're running run out of time. I'm thankful we're a loving church. I, I think we have genuine love in this room. Like, if you're a visitor here, we actually like each other. Surprise! Like, you're like, ah, we just play like we like each other at my home church. No, we like, we like each other here. Like, I see a lot of you smiling, saying hello to each other. Hanging out with each other during the week. We've got, oh, we've got a ton of life groups, several new Bible studies, middle school group, high school group, young adults group. We got a podcast group, men's and women's uh, studies. Two weeks ago, I got to go to an activity based new life group that we're meeting again this week. And I want to point this out on Thursday, right, Matt? So Thursday morning, 9.30, we're going to meet at um, at the Madison base on the Moonlight side. We're going to do a devotional, and we're going to ski together. Why? Because we like each other. It's awesome, right? So if you want more information on that, by the way, talk to Matt. Um, 
we have this activity-based group. We're going to do it every couple weeks. Um, so we skied together with a bunch of us last week, Thursday. And I was like, this is my job. This is really difficult, right? Like <laughs> Suffering for Jesus here. Yes. Anybody, everybody. We have lots to be thankful for. That's the point. And, and Paul had a lot to be thankful for as well. Um, continue to be thankful people. Sometimes it's easier in a church to think about what you're not thankful for than it is to think about what you're thankful for. And if you're sitting here and you're going, I'm not, there's some things. Great. Put those over here for a minute and then think about all that you're thankful for and then come back to those and see if they're that big. Okay? Grateful people are great people. Grateful people are great people. We continue. Verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there's no division among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas or Peter. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. So no one can say that you were baptized into my name. Yes, I also baptized, yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but preach the gospel, not with wisdom or eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. He goes on to say this, I want you to seek unity. I want to encourage you to seek unity. And he says this specifically with leadership, right? Apparently in this church, they're having some some fights, some arguments, some divisions over who's in charge or who they're going to listen to. We don't know exactly why they're having these arguments, but um, they're having arguments that are kind of churchy in nature, as we'll call them, right? Like some people are like, well, I really like how Peter teaches. And some people are like, well, I really like how Apollos teaches. Well, I really like how Paul teaches. Well, Jesus, he was a good teacher too. Why don't we throw his name? I mean, that's kind of the conversation that's probably going on in this day. And Paul is saying, listen, wait, 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 wait. Instead of seeking division, let's seek unity. And thankfully, I don't even have to talk about this because churches don't do this kind of stuff anymore, right? Um, do you know how we got all the denominations we have? Anybody know how that happened? How we went from like the church in Corinth to like first Lutheran, Presbyterian, Methodist, non-denominational, uh, Church of God, Church of Christ, Church of the Holy, whatever. Um, do you know how, do we, how we got there? Do you, anybody? Divisions. That's right. Divisions. Like that, should, that should hit us a little bit. That should hurt us a little bit. That should challenge us a little bit. And, and before you get all more, more holy than now, right? Non-denominational, just basically a denomination of its own. We just say, we don't want anybody telling us what to do. That's essentially what we do, right? So don't get more holy than thou, all right? <laughs> but this should convict us. Denominations were built upon silly things. 
Some of them not. Some of them were important, but a lot of them were silly. I worked in a denomination uh, for a while where they separated the Christian Reformed Church from the Reformed Church. You want to know why? Really important issues. Like, this church wanted to do worship in Dutch. And this church was like, we live in America now, so maybe we should do English. And this church was like, no, we're going to speak Dutch. And these people were like, no. And, and, and they had a couple other issues. And they said, no, we're done. We're done. We divide. I follow Paul. No, I follow Cephas. No, I follow Apollos. People, we can't do this. We cannot do this. We can't be this church. And if you're not part of this church and you're part of other churches elsewhere, because I know we got those people here, be a part of unity, not division. That doesn't mean be soft in your theology. There are moments where you have to say, here I stand, I can do no other, as Martin Luther said, right? That is fine. But, but we make little issues into big issues all the time. Don't be making divisions over little things. Why? Because Christ... Christ is the head of the church. 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolishness the, wor- foolishness the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know Him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand a sign, and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jew and Greek, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what, of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things of the world and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before Him. It is because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus who you have become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. As so it was with me. Brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony of God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom but on God's power we need to seek out unity why Paul would say this because it is the message and the mystery of the cross that binds us together it's the message and the mystery of the cross that binds us together notice what he says for the Jews this is a stumbling block Wait, Jesus didn't come to be an earthly king? He didn't come to run out the Romans? 
He came to be crucified on a cross? This is a stumbling block. And for the Gentiles, foolishness. Listen to me. We follow a crucified Savior. That is foolishness to the world. That's foolishness to the world. Still is today. Right? We don't follow people that are crucified. We follow the famous. We follow the rich. We follow the successful. We follow the wise. Go on Twitter. Right? That's who everybody's following. The famous. The smart. The best. The successful. And God says, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you know that wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. Wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. So, so I'll choose the foolish things of the world. I'll choose the low things of the world. And this is what we're united in. We are united in a crucified Savior. Someone who died upon a cross. The death that we deserve. Mark prayed it. We choose death every day. We choose death every day. And yet Jesus said, I will take that death and I will die that death for you in your place so that you might have life. This is a mystery. And it's the message of Christianity. It's what we should be united in. And lastly, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of the sage who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory because time, before time began. None of the rulers of the sage understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human heart has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given to us. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only from the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to mere human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. I invite the worship team to come back up. I want to encourage you to seek out unity because it's the message and mystery of the cross that binds us together and... It's the Spirit that empowers us to have the mind of Christ. The Spirit of God that reveals to us, that enlightens us, that guides us, that turns foolishness into wisdom. See, sometimes I think we like we we don't 
we don't go there when it comes to the spirit. We're like, God, the father, I get him. He's got a beard and a lightning bolt, which that's not true, actually. But that's what we think. So we're reasonably comfortable with it. And we think Jesus, I'm totally good with that guy. Like everybody's good with Jesus, right? Um, but the spirit, wait a minute. Like, hey, one of those churches where you're going to like start talking in languages and we don't know what you're saying. And are we, are like, are you one of those churches where you're going to like start dancing in the aisle, which I ain't because I can't dance. Um, um, the spirit of God. God is triune. This is a great mystery. This should make, make your brain hurt a little bit. He is three in one. Triune. Why we don't understand that? Why that's hard for us? Because we can't wrap our minds around a God that is both one, but also in community within himself. And Jesus, right before he dies, right before he, uh, sorry, right after he dies, right after he, right, right, sorry, right before he dies, he promises that he won't leave his disciples alone. He won't leave them as orphans. He promises that a spirit will come. The counselor will come to guide them, to remind them, to be with them each and every day. And if you are a Christian, and if you have met Jesus, then you have the spirit of God within you. And that should guide you and should propel you and it should make you question some of the things that you're doing. It should convict you of the sin in your life that the third person of the Holy Trinity, the Spirit of God is alive within you. And even as we unite, even as we're here, the Spirit of God is in this place. He binds us together as one. See, I, I always wish I could just like magically make people believe in Jesus. I do. I, I wish there was some way that I could preach like the perfect sermon and then I could just keep preaching that one every single week and then we just have more people convert every week and know Jesus and get to live with him forever and like I wish I could but I can't but the spirit of God can it is the spirit of God who has revealed the foolish things of the world as wisdom to you it's the spirit of God that lives within you that resides within you that guides and leads you each and every day and if you're sitting wondering like do I ha- do I have that is it within me if you call upon the name of Jesus then you have the spirit and if you have not called upon the name of Jesus you do not if you have not called upon the name of Jesus if you have not met Jesus you're missing out heavenly father Thank you for this letter. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for unity around the cross of Jesus Christ. Pray that you would awaken us to this good news. That you would awaken us to the idea that there is salvation and new life in you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.